Welcome back to the farmstead. We're glad you're here. Pull up a chair and rest your heels, and let's talk about large family living on the homestead. Let's get after it. Let's do it. Feels like it's been forever. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. We were trying to get a podcast out every two weeks or so, and it seems like this spring has just been absolutely crazy. And I feel like every time we get on the mic, we say it's been absolutely crazy. We'll just say it's been raining. It's been raining? <laughs> right. <laughs> lots of rain. It's been wet. It's been lots of rain. We've been uh, working hard getting the, the bee yard growed out. And um, I've been uh, enjoying watching the bee yard kind of uh, develop and grow. And a uh, big thank you to everyone who's buying queens and nukes and coming out to visit the yard. And uh, sitting down in the chairs and just uh, spending a little time with us here, uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to share uh, what we're doing here with folks that are interested in and doing the same thing, something similar, uh, or just want to come out and learn from all the mistakes that we've made, because Lord knows we've made quite a few. Yeah, it's always fun to meet the new people and kind of see how they do things or how many they, how many bees they keep, how many you know boxes or whatever, and... Things like that. So there's always something to learn from everybody, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because nobody does it exactly the same. Like they're, you know, even if let's say they, they, everybody you encounter, let's say, keeps small cell bees, they're not going to keep the same box, same kind of boxes, the exact same. Everything's going to be a little bit different. Tweaky. Everyone's context yeah. is so different, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Like a couple we met. Um, they just have two hives and you know like we're worried about things like where their bees will get the water and should they put a little you know it was just fun to hear like things like that and i'm thinking i don't think i've ever ever even thought of stuff like that you know i'm sure you did but i didn't as the as the one that wasn't being the primary beekeeper so when you get to learn from other folks and hear you know where they're at in their journey uh, what their context looks like, and then uh, better understand uh, the challenges that they have within their context. It helps paint a bigger picture of um, kind of where we are, where, where we all are uh, in this great journey of life and how different uh, Oh, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if it's beekeeping or gardening or you know, parenting or, you know, whatever, you know, grafting or anything like it's, it's all, it's just, it's all just different. And as soon as you realize it's not a race oh, right. uh, and you're not, uh, it's not a competition with somebody else. Once you understand that we're all just on our own path uh, and appreciate that, there's so much you can learn from everybody when you're not feeling like it's a competition or you have to keep up, or you have to do things this way, or you have to do things that way, or someone's going to think that you're this or you're that. Once you once you just once you break through that mentally, you can kind of uh, get on a path to where you can really start to better understand yourself and this whole journey uh, that we're on. It's it's uh, awesome to have folks come out and share, uh, open them. You know, they're they're opening up 
um, a little bit too, you know, uh, talking about things that they feel like they've made mistakes, they've done wrong. And we were all, you know, kind of better for it. I think that's, that's probably the, 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 what I enjoy most about doing what we do, uh, is being a lighthouse to somebody else. Um, because sometimes they don't know it. They're a lighthouse to you. And that give and take, um, without words, without even trying to do that, when you're just, that is the essence of you, and the same for them, uh, it just, it, it puts a little extra wind uh, in your sail. I can remember when we were first heading down this road, we, we, were, trying to, we were trying to find out where, where direction is it that we feel like we're being pulled to kind of go. And uh, for me, and we've talked about it before, but it was when we got in that, when I got in that accident, all of a sudden I started feeling like I, like I was being pulled in some kind of direction that I didn't quite fully understand. And one of those great lighthouse moments for me, which helped shaped where we are today, uh, was when I first heard about this crazy guy planting trees who's running chickens and pigs and cows in the midst of it uh, and doing it in a way to where he's he, it's where I first heard working with nature rather than against it. And the green grass grows all around, all around. And, and the, the green, green grass, grass grows, grows all, all around. around. That was his famous words. <laughs> I remember him saying that. I, I always thought that was I, so funny. You know, so here I was, you know, with no experience. And all of a sudden, I heard this crazy guy talking. Living in the city. And it resonated with me like nothing I've ever heard in my life. And all of a sudden, I knew whatever, I just, that's the direction that I had to go. Uh, that was a lighthouse moment. It was a spark uh, that caused combustion in the motor that put us down this path. Uh, and that crazy guy was Mark Shepard. And from that point in time, the trajectory of us not only had momentum, but it had direction. And hearing him talk about all these perennial food systems and putting all these systems in place that all work together, that all works with nature, it just made sense. It just seemed like common sense. Where has this type of... where? I mean, it seemed like it's a brand new idea. And it's one of the most ancient ideas that has ever existed on this planet. And here, here I am for the first time hearing it, and I'm completely blown away. And it has made such an impact uh, on my life, on our life, on our family's life, um, of us getting back out to the land. Um, and we just, Mark Shepard and his work, Restoration Agriculture, has been one of the, the most important things uh, that has happened to us in our life. And... Our super, super big announcement. Like, let's not even, like, tease it and let's not, like, save it for the end. Let's, I just want to come right out and say it, that I have never been prouder. Uh, but we uh, have been invited uh, by Mark and the Restoration Ag team uh, to speak with him alongside at his upcoming Restoration Ag workshop here in New Paris, Ohio. Local. Here in Ohio, and it's... Uh, 
just I don't even quite have the words to put it uh, into perspective. Um, but to, to have something like this come completely full circle, where that was a spark uh, that initiated us to be where we are, and here we are uh, going to be speaking alongside Mark uh, at his invitation, at his workshop here in Ohio. It's the most humbling thing I, I could ever think of, and it's just it it fires me up just to know that he affected you and now you can that, help affect other people and it's a it's a beautiful thing so uh if you're if, if anyone is interested and in, and in trying to better understand where they fit in this kind in this world in this system uh if if raising perennial food crops alongside and having animals integrated water management systems working with nature having all these systems put in place to where you can provide fuel food fiber um and and and, and to, to do it in a way to where you can start farming in these kind of aspects and and find ways to kind of cash flow it along the way it's i know for us we've talked about how uh, our farmstead scale was something that has kind of developed to where we try to, to do these things to where we're in the black year one, to where we can actually afford to uh, not only uh, experience these opportunities, but do it in a way to where we're not going into debt. We're not putting things on credit cards. We're trying to find a way to where we can get back out to the land um, and actually afford to do it. And it's a it's a super tricky and and probably one of the most difficult things about getting started is how to make it work financially. Yeah, you have to be creative. And I think the entrepreneurial side of you shines in that aspect of the farmstead because a lot of people want to have a homestead or um, grow a homestead into a um, part-time or even full-time business. And it's very, very hard to do um, for many, many folks. So if you're in Ohio or you're in a surrounding state, uh, August 2nd through the 4th uh, in New Paris, Ohio. Uh, they're at the Hooting Hill Organic Farm. Uh, the folks there who own that farm who uh, have are having Mark and the Restoration Ag team, uh, they're Ben and Erica Wagner, uh, and they're looking at uh, doing the same thing a lot of us, uh, I think, are also want to do. Find ways to uh, integrate water management systems, uh, prevent erosion, get perennial food crops, uh, going on a farm and have animals kind of work harmoniously with that whole entire system. Uh, it's going to be an awesome opportunity to not only learn about restoration agriculture, but to actually see it. Boots on the ground, dozers, equipment, earthworks, the whole nine yards. Uh, these systems are going to be installed um, at the workshop and folks can learn how, uh, how they can integrate uh, these type of systems into their own life, into their own context. Um, some folks are may, f- may be familiar with Mark and his work. Mark does a lot of broad acre things, planting thousands and thousands of, of, of hazelnuts and chestnuts and fruits and berries. Um, and they're on a, a million hazelnut campaign where they're trying to get a million hazelnuts in the ground. A lot of folks like us are much smaller scale. We're farmstead scale. We're 20 acres or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we found ways to uh, incorporate and apply these concepts uh, with restoration agriculture uh, into our own context, into our own landscapes. Yeah. Um, and Susan and I will be presenting uh, on Sunday the 4th uh, what 
restoration agriculture, what that application looks like to us on farmstead scale, right? Uh, and how we've been able to make it work financially, how we've had to. Uh, find ways to cash flow all these systems, whether it's uh, raising bees or pork or beef, chicken, turkeys, uh, plant all these trees. And then more, the most in- important thing, where does the water come from? And how can you, how can you keep all of these things irrigated and hydrated? Um, and so, uh, so again, August 2nd through the 4th, uh, you can check out Rad Workshop New Paris, Ohio, dot Weebly dot com w e e b l y dot com we'll also have uh links for this uh on our at the the facebook page in the show notes uh check out uh restoration agriculture development on facebook check out mark shepherd um to say that mark shepherd and his work uh has been the spark to catapulted our family in a certain direction would be a gross understatement it has been Super, super impactful, and I can't wait for the workshop. And I just, I'm, I'm just tickled uh, that we're going to be able to just share our story with folks, and maybe be a lighthouse to somebody else. Yep, it's going to be great. So Mark has been a huge impact uh, in our life, and there's uh, sometimes there are certain folks that come across your path, uh, and they are just extremely impactful. Um, not just because they say all the right things um, or they have cool videos on YouTube or you think that there's some great sensei. There are some people who actually put their money where their mouth is uh, and they're, they're on the ground, they're doing the work, uh, and the work speaks for themselves. Currently, with us getting a bee yard started, our super enormous biggest mentor who has not only showed us the ropes, um, but has taught us beekeeping, is Don the Fat Bee Man. Yeah, for you, absolutely. I mean, of course, I'm not there when you're learning all that stuff, but you always bring it back home and try to unpack it as best you can for me. <laughs> it's hard. It's, well, I've been spending a lot of time uh, traveling down to Georgia, learning from Don in his yard, uh, not only the things that you hear or see uh, on the internet, about his style or his method, but to visit him in his yard uh, to see actually his context and how it's all put together, yeah. you start putting all these little puzzle pieces together. And every time that I go down and visit with Don, it's like I'm grabbing this corner puzzle piece here and here. I'm building an outline. The picture is starting to come into focus. Well, and to understand that going into Don's bee yard isn't going and sitting and having him talk to you about things. He is literally putting you to work. You, He's sitting. You are working. So you are hands-on the whole time. And that's so beneficial in so many ways for so many people. And I think it's a huge difference between watching a video or actually being there doing it and him saying, well, why would you do that? Or what are you doing? What are you doing that for? Or just stopping you in the midst of you doing something and making you realize why you're doing it. It's a, it it will change the way you think about things. It, it will sit with you. You'll remember it more than if you were to be watching a video and just happen to see or catch something on the video. Um, it's completely different because it's your hands in that beehive. You know, 
you and and that I think is what has impacted you the most is actually being there because we've watched I can't tell you how many times we've watched videos, but it's so different, right? It's it's a completely different experience. It's the all everything on YouTube, uh, all his videos, all the B chats, they're all like primers. Right. It's it's great information. It's, it, it it builds uh, a level of understanding, but yes. until you're in his yard, right, uh, and just his presence and his uh, his demeanor and how he uh, reacts and the work that he does. When you have the full picture, then all of a sudden, all these things start lining up. All these things start making sense. Yeah. And you have a have a much deeper understanding about some of these concepts, uh, why these things happen in beekeeping. Um, and then next thing you know, you're learning. Here, here he is. You know, uh, he he's probably one of the most contrarian farmers I've ever met. Uh, and he's not trying to be contrary to the rest of the world, but his reality, his experience, and how he operates in his bee yard is contrary to conventional beekeeping. It's con- it's it's contrary to backyard beekeeping. He does things that isn't supposed to work. He he does things that all the, the books, books say, don't tell you. Yeah, the they books say, say don't, don't do it. The books say don't do or, or they don't work. <laughs> And then there's all these things that when you're learning from Don in his yard, the most incredible thing about learning from Don in his yard is every single moment is a teachable moment. Oh, yeah. Every From, from the moment you pull into his drive and you get out of your truck, everything is a teachable moment. Yep. Every single aspect of it. Uh, and you end up having understandings of things that aren't in books they're not in videos and no one in the world could ever explain it to you and near the other way other than in that exact moment and i have developed more confidence uh, uh and more um i don't say intuition but you are better in tune with your bees and what they're doing by some of the things that you pick up and learn from an old timer who's been doing it for over 50 years Right. Well, he's more, he's obviously slower in some aspects, but yet faster than most any oh, other he, person. He isn't slower. No, I mean, no, 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 no. He slows you down to he make sl- you yes, think about. Yes, so right. he's slow in the fact that he's slowing you down and making you think about each step. Now, why are you taking that much time to do this? Right. Why would you do it this way when you can be this many seconds faster in that hive by doing it? another way exactly yeah so he's making you think he's slowing you he's down slowing your mental thought, yeah your to make you down. think think differently and help you be more efficient in the bee yard instead of trying trying to do it a certain way and then making it take longer you know and things like that so that's he's he, he's because a lot of us you know we when you are at someone's bee yard, uh, some like the fat bee man, you know, as some folks, and I've seen it, they get put on the spot and they have this little uncomfortable squirmy moment there for a minute because Don puts folks on the ropes, uh, not in a confrontational way, but he's putting them on the ropes to kind of test them a little bit, um, see how they're going to react, 
uh, see what the responses are going to be. But more importantly, he's learning them. Uh, because How then he can see learn? where are they right. in their journey of beekeeping. Right. And then he can start tweaking and he can start putting things together and he can start building a, a picture that they can actually understand. It's his way of having a cup of coffee and taking notes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the way he fills you out so he can figure out, well, how can he best teach you? How can he best get you on a path? Right. And sometimes it, it might be uh, the, the way things uh, you would just never expect to learn like that. Right, because it's 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 such an old time way of learning. That's that's not how you and I grew up in public schools. We didn't have that type of a um, of a of a education. It was, it's more like working on Grandpa's suburban with him, and you're underneath it there. Uh, but rather than you handing Grandpa the tools, you're the one on your back, and you're the one busting your knuckles, and Grandpa's handing you the tools, and he's asking you, "Well, why are you putting that wrench there?" That, right. That, that that's not the starter. That's the alternator. Right. Don't you be one working on the starter? And it's all these little things that it's it just it it, it puts me in mind of working uh, with my grandpa, um, and that's we've lost that kind of connection. Yeah. I think when we when we're when we're teaching folks when we're teaching uh, when we're sharing with our our peers what we're doing when we're teaching our kids. Um, so there's a whole physical aspect of you're learning all these things to do. Not necessarily don't do, but you're learning how all these things work. And you learn that if you read it in a book or you see it on YouTube, that don't take it for gospel truth. Understand its context because you know here's all these things that Don is doing that shouldn't be done according to every, every book, book that, that's out there. And yet... <laughs> There's millions and millions of bees flying, and they're all beautiful, and they're all happy, and they're all just, it's an incredible opportunity. Somehow they didn't experience. read that book. <laughs> Somehow the bees didn't read the books that everybody else does. Maybe and they he don't didn't care. either, and he just did what he thought he could do, and it worked, and so he just does it still, you know? And that, that's what he says, that he, you know, he didn't finish school, and he learned, you know, on the, he, he learned hands-on, and, you know, he's just, uh, He's Mar- or Don has been uh, an incredible um, spark and a lighthouse to us, just like Mark Shepard. Um, so learning in the Fat Bee Man's yard. The last time that I was down, he he said something to me, and 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 explain a little bit. So, what time was this? Was this the time that you were picking up all the bees? This was this this was the uh, was this the, the big this, bee this, run. This was not the bee run. This was okay. the 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 time before that. The bee run, um, you know, was we were we were there the, to get, to get bees. And, and and folks, if you haven't heard that story yet, uh, check out the the contrary beekeeper show, and uh, check out uh, <laughs> Gra- uh, Dan and Greg and Dan's excellent adventure. Yeah, it was a heck of a ride. Yes. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Dan and I are going to head back down to see Don here in a few days. Uh, and uh, learn more. Let's learn hope as it's not as much of an excellent adventure as the last one. Maybe it's a little bit more laid back. <laughs> no, Dan, Dan decided to say, "Hey, let's just, let's just take Black Betty." He doesn't. He doesn't even. What does he even want to take the Chevy? He's like it was fun. I'm glad we, we took the Chevy. We we'll we, we learned a lot. But now we're trying to just leave get the Chevy there, at the levee. Get back. We'll leave the Chevy <laughs> at the levee, and we'll take Black Betty for a ride. So that that'll be a fun little trip. Uh, mm. But when I was down there, learning from Don. I can remember exactly where I was standing. At I can I can remember exactly what high I was standing behind, and he was just sitting there 
And he said, there's three people that are going to run you out of business before you ever get started. And he just sat there, arms crossed. And you're thinking, oh man, and I'm thinking, what's their names? I want to write it down. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, who? And he said, wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. And then what'd he say? There's three people that'll run you out of business before you ever get started. And that's wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. Now just think about that. He said it, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa. It's one thing when you're learning from Don, and it's, and it's an incredible opportunity to learn how to beekeep. But then he throws something at you that is so profound and so philosophical. Yeah. Wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. And you realize the three people to run you out of business before you ever get started is yourself. Yep. And how many times have we done anything on the farmstead here? Whether it's uh, learning how to raise pigs or graft fruit trees or raise a family to where the biggest hurdles in the road most of the time is yourself. Is yourself. Yeah, you'll trip over your own two feet. Wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. Maybe we should try to break that down. Not get too crazy deep. But when he said that, it just struck a chord with me. Yeah, you came home and told me. I, I remember I... After the, the, the kind of the, the rest of the day went on and I was learning and I was learning and I was learning. Uh, and I got back to the hotel and... Uh, I went to go get dinner, and I had my notepad. I'm just I'm taking notes, and then I sleep on it, and then the next morning I'm thinking about it. I'm taking more notes before I go see Don again, and it just it was like it was on repeat. Wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. So think about it. Wouldn't I would not do something based on a prior outcome? Uh, for example. I wouldn't keep bees because I was stung by a flying thingy once when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, that would totally be me, right? Like, how many times have you, ever, have you heard someone said, uh, I wouldn't keep bees because uh, I'm deathly allergic? Right. Like, you hear that a lot. Right, absolutely. Well, and that could be valid. Okay, let's not say it that way. Let's say, let's not use the allergy thing because that's pretty serious. Okay, so... Yeah, but everyone thinks that they're, they're deathly allergic to bees. Well... It's like, it, it hurts, and it swells up, and it's itchy. Well, and, and okay, we'll just are, throw my mom under the bus and say, when she had an allergic reaction she, when she was like eight, you know, and it's been a few decades since she was eight, and so now she's a beekeeper, and she's got a hive in her backyard, so... Yeah, and she's doing great. Right. But she wouldn't have done that uh, three years ago, or four years ago, when you started That's keeping That's a great bees. example. So... Wouldn't is like choosing not to do something because of uh, an imaginary outcome or a perception of something in the past. Right. Right. Your mom, when we first got started, was probably like, oh, I wouldn't ever 
have bees at my house. They're just I, they're, they're I know. stinging she thingies. She didn't even want to go down in the bee yard. Well, w- would it be different? Would it, if you if you learned a different way? Would it be different if you had a different train of thought? Would it be different if you knew the outcome could be different with a different set of circumstances? Right, and so her outcome has changed because she's got a suit and it makes her feel comfortable and protected, you know? So she now does keep bees. (laughs) So, but she wouldn't in the past. So, so wouldn't like, she allowed herself to not do something. It's, it's kind of based on perception. Absolutely. In your imagination. Past tense. Your own. Yeah. And that's a lot of us get hung up on that because, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't run pigs, or, or I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't move out from the city, like I wouldn't want to move way out there and be forty five minutes away from the grocery store, or all these kind of things. Right. But then the perception changed to where, oh, we raise our own food and we can, and our house is full of food. I wouldn't live in the city because I wouldn't want to be that close anymore. So it's a, it's a, it's a mind shift. It's yeah. it's a it's a matter of perspective. Yeah. And it's it's challenging to kind of break through uh the thinking. It's just all perception, so you have to change your thinking. Yep. So what about what about couldn't? Could I could not. Like I could not do something because I don't think I can. So couldn't is more of an excuse? <laughs> okay, I mean, it could be it could yeah it's like a personal excuse sometimes i think sometimes it can be a cop-out um but i think it's not doing something because you don't believe in yourself you don't believe that you can be successful you don't believe that you can kick ass doing whatever that it is i couldn't ever have seven kids <laughs> man that's crazy and then people see us you know walking down the street and they'd be like oh i wouldn't have seven kids <laughs> but it's it's i don't think i can i don't believe in myself like for example i couldn't be a beekeeper because i don't think i can i don't think i can do it without even knowing what it's about without even knowing anything about it how much time it takes it's, or it's anything like that. It's like a lack of lack of confidence. Right. And a lot of folks, you know, a lot of folks have issues with confidence and believing in themselves uh, or um, being comfortable assuming risk uh, to take on new things. Um, and I think until you get opportunities to kind of test yourself, uh, you don't really know who you are. And we have had a lot of opportunity to test ourselves mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, the list goes on and on and on. Well, you're definitely a risk taker, so I think you're willing to either fall flat on your face or, you know, like bust through the finish line and be like, yeah, but you're willing to take the risk. Yeah, so I couldn't be a beekeeper or I couldn't not wear a bee suit or I couldn't make a split it's because you don't believe in yourself you don't believe that you can you know it's it's uh, the confidence now i'm not saying everyone should go out and not wear a bee suit like we do because we're 
goofy hillbillies, but there's just it, uh, I think ninety eight percent of beekeeping is mental preparation. Right. It's it's a mental game. Well, I couldn't I couldn't have that kind of garden because I just I couldn't ever can all of it. I would just it might go to waste. That's a, that's a great example, right? So I couldn't have that big of a garden because I I couldn't can all that stuff. I wouldn't know what to do with it all. Couldn't and wouldn't. I just threw two of them in with my own self doubt. And I've heard so many people say to me, "Oh, I I couldn't I couldn't can all that. I don't you know. I wouldn't know what to do with all that food." I, you know, it seems like overwhelming. So, I mean, you're letting that feeling, you're letting those feelings, those, like you said, self-doubts, stop you before you even start. So, the garden doesn't even get planted, let alone you ever, you know, break open a canner. Wow. <laughs> and so, it's not just beekeeping, it's, it could be for anything. Yeah, that's good. It's, doesn't, it's. And a lot of these things... I couldn't ever homeschool my kids. You could not ever homeschool your kids. I couldn't homeschool my kids. And I said that. I remember saying Man, that. did you say that? I, I can remember. It's... Yeah, back when you were the crazy the one from now. the church that had homeschoolers oh and I gosh. was the one, like the public school, you know, kid that had never known any... I didn't even know any homeschoolers ever. Our, the the point of context for us, even just five years ago, has changed. I know. I think our first breakthrough, our big breakthrough, was that we had more than like two kids, because you know most people couldn't have that many kids, more than like two. And then after that, it was like homeschooling. That was our big next breakthrough. And then it was like, oh, we could do anything. Think about all those things: uh, raising a large family, homeschooling, even gardening in our backyard. And a canning. suburban HOA. Oh, yeah. I remember canning in the kitchen at the old house and being like, and it wasn't even all from my garden. I would go and buy stuff from the um, the local fruit orchards. You know, we would go and pick. Oh, my gosh. I can't well, remember when you. In, we had the, when you had the, the backyard garden and you couldn't grow carrots. You went to Aldi's. You bought a bunch of carrots and they were on special and you canned them. Then you had food security. You had carrots. Right. And yeah. And, and, and sometimes you have to take that step. So think about it. You could. I couldn't, I couldn't grow carrots. I couldn't grow carrots. Or I, I didn't let that limit me from canning them. No. So you changed the perspective. Yep. You had a different set of circumstances and then that you did. All, all, those, all the changes that we've made in our life, the only thing that has ever stopped us has been us. Yep. We're no different than anybody else. Nope. There was never enough money. There was never enough time. Nope. There was never the magical opportunities that you think were going to fall on your lap. There was never some, you know, magical golden eagle going to pick you up and remove you from your current existence and drop you off in, you know, some Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings land where everything's... No. Well, and we also didn't have the experiences prior to ever doing it. So, I didn't grow up canning food. I didn't grow up... I mean, I did have some gardens when growing up, but you didn't grow up ever, ever having a beehive anywhere close to you. You never grew up ever riding a tractor. You never, you never built, you know, a workshop or an addition and you never installed trees and you never did, you've never done any of 
you never butchered a hog or, a, you know, a cow or chickens or turkeys or really ever even seen those things before you started raising them yourself. I was never a husband. But it didn't until limit I got married. you. Right. I was never a father until we had kids. Right. I was never a homesteader until we moved out to the homestead. Right. Everyone, it, you're never going to prepare for any of the things that you want to do in life to a point to where you're magically ready and then them all happen. Right. I think there's always been uh, the fact that there's always been a saying in our family that there's nothing to it but to do it. Yep. And whenever you get hung up in a situation where you don't know what to do, you don't know how to do it, you don't know which way to turn, there's nothing to it but to do it. And you say that, and then you do that thing, and then the next time you're in sitting, standing in front of a brick wall and you're trying to figure out how am I going to get through it, there's nothing to it but to do it. Yep. That little bit of self-motivation to uh, move forward, to keep digging in, to actually try, is, is, makes all, all the difference in the world. Right. And so, what about can't? Like... I cannot do something because maybe the lack of the ability. Like, uh, let's see. How about an example? I can't keep bees in my backyard because of a city ordinance. Okay. That's pretty valid. You cannot keep bees in your backyard. Uh, what about, uh, let's see. Uh... I can't rebuild a jet engine. I don't have, I'm lacking the ability of doing that. Now, it's not to say I couldn't in the future do it, but right now, at this very moment, I don't have that ability. So, let's think outside of the box. I can't keep bees in my backyard because of the city ordinance. Well, how could you keep bees? Can you think outside the box a little bit? I can't. Does Uncle <laughs> does does Uncle Joe and Aunt Susie have ten acres on the outskirts of town, and you can keep bees there? And this happens to be seven minutes away from you. Is there another op? Is there, you know, there's always. What's the, what's the old saying? Well, there's a will, there's a way. Yep. I mean, think about it. Yep. Remember when we were still living in black, like in town, and we started farming the farm? Yeah. Like, we got hundreds of pounds of vegetables, and we didn't live anywhere close to the farm. Like, we can't dig up our backyard in Blacklick and install these permaculture, culture swale thingies, these big <laughs> Indian mound looking things to grow Serpent pumpkins mounds. and squash. Like, we can't do that in Blacklick. It's, a, it's, it's outside of the HOA codes for what you can actually do inside of your fenced-in backyard. So, Correct. we did it out at the farm. That was 45 minutes away. And we had a we made a compromise. Okay, well, what kind of systems could we put in place that required less maintenance 
and we could still start moving in that direction of fulfilling our food needs and feel like we're starting to go down this road that where we eventually that have that has led us to here. So it's like think outside of the box just a little bit. You know, what other opportunities are there? And what is the door that's preventing you from getting those opportunities? It's you. Yep. Yeah? Wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. Just think about that. Wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. There's only three people that are in the way of you and the road that you should be on. Wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. That's good stuff. That's good. You know, so you go to, to Don, not only do you learn about beekeeping, um, but he throws things around that are extremely philosophical uh, that you will find will resonate with you in ways that it's going to take us the rest of our life just to unpack that. Wouldn't, couldn't, and can't. But when you start to realize that, man, you know, I'm the only thing in the way of where it is that I want to go with the days that I've been gifted on this earth. Hey, let's start thinking about let's let's start thinking about ways that we can start working on that kind of thinking. Do you happen to remember what you were doing or why he said that? Like you remember the box you were in, you remember the part of the bee yard. But do you happen to remember why exactly he would have even said that? It was in the morning, in the morning in the yard, and then the front yard there. You're going through, you're checking up on boxes, you're seeing uh, if there's any cells that are capped, then you can mark the boxes. And then so when you come through later on through the day, uh, when you get to the boxes that need cells, you know exactly where to find them from. So you're looking for the resources in the morning, and then so as the day progresses, you can move the resources from the boxes that have them to the boxes that need them. So then after lunch from like one to five, when people are coming to pick up nukes, when you're putting the nukes together, everything's already happened throughout the day. Right. And it's, it's kind of, and that's, that's the kind of typical order uh, of business uh, in the yard there. So it's, it's kind of like when your buddy comes and sits in your bee yard and you're alone and you're just the spark comes and you say something to him and or he says something to you that you need to hear that you need to hear you know it was a a, a, a time where it was a uh, almost like preaching to each other mm-hmm. you know it's you know it maybe that maybe that's what it was but for whatever 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 the context was the whatever the reason Don said that uh, it it was it resonated in perfect timing and perfect pitch uh, and it's something that not only can we share here with everyone listening uh, we can we can we can share that light we can be that lighthouse to somebody else yep um, it's just something that I'm always going to have in the back of my mind where hey the only one that's going to run us out. Or, or run us off the road that we want to be on is ourself. Yeah. That's good stuff. That is good. So looking forward to getting down and seeing Don again here uh, here in a few days. That's going to be a great trip. And um, I'm sure Dan and I will, will get, get down all kinds of other rabbit holes and have all kind of crazy <laughs> talks about these kind of things. 
Uh, well, when we were uh, talking about putting the podcast or the this episode out, we asked for folks to send us some comments, some questions, some funny stories. And uh, so, thanks everyone for doing that. We've got a bunch of them. You want to share those? Sure, absolutely. All right. So the first question comes from Terry Bischel, and that's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and she was saying, is there anything that I can plant on my property to help keep my bees from flying so far from home to get nectar? Um, I've heard it said that they leave to get nectar and will fly up to two to five miles away. What if they get nectar from a bad food source and that's got pesticides on it? So that's a good question. There's always so many things to to worry about uh, when it comes to raising a garden, raising kids, or raising your bees. I think I find for me most of the time it's better to not worry about the things that you can't control. You you can't control what someone does two miles away or three miles away. Uh, you can be positive. You can be an example. Uh, you can maybe you know talk to your neighbors in a non-aggressive um, way uh, about the fact that maybe you have bees and things like that. But the books say that bees don't get food or water uh, within 300 feet of their hives. Now, we were out in the bee yard today, and Sean Brown was over, and he said, oh, look. Look at your, your bees. They're on your white clover. So in between our bee rows, we are, there's white clover and red clover and all kinds of comfrey and things like that. Sure enough, here's our little small-scale bees hitting the clover, and they were right in, front of a, like, right in front of a hive stand. The furthest hive stand away was maybe 100 feet. So Again with the books. Again with the books. Like it, <laughs> we just we just seen it. Could they have been somebody else's bees? Could it have been a hive of mine that uh, absconded last year? And it's some could have been. Uh, but there was lots of bees on the white clover in the bee yard. So, uh, so, so it's all a matter of context. So what can you do? Just you do the best you can. If you have a nice little area where you can plant some white clover uh, or some pollinator friendly plants, uh, do it. Um, and just know that if it helps your bees, then great. If it doesn't help your bees, guess what? It's going to help somebody else's, or it's going to help nature's bees, uh, or it's going to help butterflies or hummingbirds or anything else. And I think that's all part of it is, is, is help putting out that good uh, into the universe and being positive and uh, doing the best you can with what you've got, with what you know. Um, and that'll go a long way. There are lots of pollinator-friendly plants, borage and comfrey, uh, lots of different, uh, even mints, echinacea. Um, the list kind of goes on and on and on and on. And just simply as clover and dandelion and things like that, if you don't constantly razor sharp your, you know, your grass, they could have that while it blooms. Yeah, clover is one of the, the great nectar sources that help carry uh, bees through um, times where it's a little dry as far as bringing nectar in. Um, so uh, uh, different different types of clover, some yellow, some white, some red. Uh, you know, they're, it, it, what you can do helps. There are certain cover crops that are really awesome um, that you can throw in uh, in the mix, like buckwheat does a really great job. Bees love it. Yeah. Um, there's just there's there's so many different things. Um, so it, we we could have a whole entire podcast on what you could actually use from that. But 
don't worry about what you can't control. The things that are inside uh, of your circle of influence, do the best you can there. Um, and just know that that's, that's really all you can do. Yeah, great question. Okay, so we have a question from uh, Facebook from Mark Smith. And well, it was kind of a comment and question. He said, hey, y'all, the comfrey you gave me is looking great. Do I need to deadhead after it blooms? I think you need more bees. <laughs> I think he's seen the the video of theirs. I don't know how many. I don't know even how many hives we have in the background there. I don't know. Maybe not the 30, not all of them. Twenty. I don't even. I don't even know how many. Yeah, we we we, can't, we seem to not be able to get enough bees. Uh, so Mark Smith, if you guys aren't familiar with Mark Smith, check out Flatwoods Bee Farm. Uh, and the last podcast episode, our second to last, uh, there at the Contrary Beekeeper Show, we interviewed him uh, in his bee yard talking about his approach to chemical-free beekeeping. Uh, so when we were down to visit him in North Carolina, I brought him a comfrey plant. It's kind of like a peace offering I like to give folks is, is comfrey. Uh, and his he has a picture. It's growing great. Mark, what I do with comfrey is I let it grow as tall as it wants, and it starts to kind of fall over. When it starts to fall over, I cut it off the ground, I tie it up, uh, and I hang it up to dry, and I use it in my smoker uh, for bee fuel. There's a little bit of a salic acid in there, so um, it's just one very small, minute thing that may or may not help the bees, but uh, I love the plant. It's beautiful. We use it for lots of things um, around the farmstead. Check out our YouTube uh, episode. No, what do you call that? YouTube video youtube video yeah it's getting late folks my mind is, is just crashed <laughs> done check out our youtube channel that's what i was looking for i'm trying to be like you know one of these like social media people where you say yeah i just don't have all the words or know what i'm doing yeah but that's all right on our youtube channel we have a video of how to propagate comfrey and you can learn more about comfrey and propagating and how we use it but mark about the flowers is what they do is they 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 sh- shoot up new stalks and leaves so quick there's always flowers on it, seems like. I, I think it flowers. I've never not seen it flower almost all summer long. Yeah. It's just constantly in. So it's a great plant for bees, too, because there's always a little bit something new for them to hit on. Uh, the bumblebees love it. The honeybees get on it. And the, the hummingbirds are awesome. Oh, I know. It's so awesome because I don't have any hummingbird feeders. But yeah. I absolutely love watching them. So I don't know, Mark. Try to deadhead it. Uh, I've never done that. Uh, try it. See what it does. Um, but... Uh, great question yeah are you gonna read the next one or you want me to uh you're you're doing pretty good why don't you go ahead okay so the next question on facebook was from sean brown he said okay here's three pick one pick none have fun (laughs) okay so number one uh what is one tool utensil device gadget or machine that you could not live without on the farmstead oh you go first on that one I'm going to say my Instant Pot. Oh, that's good. I mean, we use that for everything. Uh, but my saving grace in the summer is my grill. The grill, not my grill. It's your grill. Oh, you can have that grill, I've girl. Been, I've been grilling more this grill. summer than you have. So I'm going to say the grill in the summer and the Instant Pot all winter. <laughs> the, the Instant Pot's cool because we can make a frozen chicken and what? Yeah, Less like an hour, an hour. Yeah. Uh, so worst case, it's like the procrastinator's dream come true when it comes to it's feeding your family. It's the procrastinator's crock pot. But not only that, uh, we can make you can make tinctures and salves and bone broth and there's lots of other unmentionable things that you can do in an Instapot on the homestead. Uh, it's an incredible tool to have. 
Yeah, I love it. I think it's one of my we, we, favorites. We always say we like stuff that has more than three uses. That has more than three uses. Absolutely. It's great. Okay. Uh, Sean's so, second question is, what is one food you would pick to have a free day and Cheeto the keto? We're still on keto. Yeah, we How are. How long has it been? Um, since January. So You're looking thin. Almost too thin. No, I'm down to my goal weight, so I'm I'm feeling You're there. great. You, you hit. Yep. It. How many? How long? How long have we been on it? Um, since January. So January, February, March, March April, April, May, June. I don't know. We got to count. Five right? months. <laughs> and you have lost over fifty pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing great. I didn't lose that much, but I met my goal weight, so I'm happy. I don't. When what I would cheat, you cheat with? When I I don't know. When I cheat on keto, I have like four teaspoons of peanut butter. Teaspoons? Which is like... Are we being honest well, here? Well, it's a teaspoon that I'm using, but right. there's like... So it's like heaping? It's probably like... It's okay, probably so you're like right. six you're right. tablespoons? It's probably, yeah, like six tablespoons. And two tablespoons is eight grams of carbs on that natural peanut butter. Yeah. So that would be like three... That's like 24. So I still, even when I feel like I'm, I'm a bad boy, I'm still like under 30 grams of carbs. Well, and I think... So I think maybe what he meant was if you were going to cheat like all out. I know. Cheat, I'm trying to think like I don't. What would you want to cheat with? Your birthday's coming up, you know. Oh. But you're not going to cheat because I didn't cheat on my birthday. Man, you know what? You know what I would totally have. What? Just a big, fat, eighteen pound New York cheesecake. Just you had to say New York cheesecake. Those are the strawberries. worst. I like the strawberries on top. Like of it. you want the homemade cheesecake that I make, or you want a dry, nasty New York? Well, cheesecake? That, that's true. That, that, that's true. <laughs> I don't like the dry where like you, you got to suck down a gallon of milk. Yeah. But when you make a cheesecake, it's dense. Yeah. And it's super, super heavy, um, but it's moist and can you have a, It's moist and it's dense, and it's just creamy enough. But when you cut it, it stays in complete perfect form with no jiggly it's like perfectly it's, it's heavy not a jello cheesecake it's all cream cheese yeah man that sounds so that good. does sound I good I'm, I'm getting hungry yeah i would totally have like my birthday cake i i, I could have had some birthday cake on my birthday Yellow i would cake, have cheated with icing. yeah yep yeah or maybe like dairy queen or something i don't know peanut i'd butter, have something sweet parfait. i'd have something what about sweet? a nachos bel grande well, now that Chilito. sounds good too. See, there's too many things. I need a Cheeto, like a cheat. I was day. just telling Sean Brown that I would have like what sounds good, like for lunch, because I had just you know not had like a delicious lunch, but um, an everything bagel from Blocks Bagels with like super thick cream cheese. Oh, even man. though the cream cheese would be fine, it would be the bagel, the bagel that, that wouldn't does be. Sound good. But that salty everything bagel. Mm-mm-mm. All right, stop. Just stop. Okay, so that would be our cheat. Okay. So number three, what critter or plant would you pick on the contrary farm said that you would say most resembles, represents, reminds you of your spouse? Ooh. I don't... I, 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 I know what you are. Okay. You are a beautiful patch of purple cone flower. Beautiful during times of flowering. Beautiful on its own. It's perennial. It's steadfast. 
You can always count on it. And it attracts, not only is it beautiful, but it attracts beauty. And it's an important source for so many pollinators. And it's powerful. And it's medicinal. And it's healing. I could go on and on and on. But you, I didn't didn't have to think about it. You are like, you're echinacea. (laughs) That was good. I think you most resemble your John Deere tractor. (laughs) (laughs) Getting old, You've been spit shined. You've been painted. (laughs) (laughs) You don't owe us nothing, but you still keep running. <laughs> That's good. I'm I'm alright being an old thirty twenty seventy horsepower. <laughs> yeah, you always get the job done. That was a good one. That's a good one. Good job, Sean. And then there were a couple other people that said they agreed. <laughs> Let's see. Next question is from uh, Rachel Marie Hester over there at Whoopsie Daisy Farm. Let's see. What's the best piece of farming advice you were ever given? And what is one piece of advice you would give someone interested in farmsteading? Also, have you seen Biggest Little Farm yet? We saw it last night. We laughed, we cried, and Kyle looked at me and said, We've said that to each other. Anyways, I recommend y'all go on a date night. That's my piece of advice for the day. So, I don't know what the Little Big Farm is. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. We'll have Maybe to it's look a Netflix into that. show or something? No, she said we, they went and saw it. Last night, so I'm... Oh, on a date night. Oh, yeah, so it, maybe we do have to actually... I don't know. We, we will have to see if we I have to leave we'll, the house. we'll have to do what people our age do and they need answers. They just Google it. Yeah, we'll just Google it. Google yeah, it. that's great. Okay. All right, well, we'll check that out. So yeah. what is the best piece of farming advice you were ever given, Susan? I don't know if you'd actually consider it farming advice. Some of the best farming advice is just advice in general. So, but it does apply to farming and mothering and homeschooling and all the things that I have to do. And I actually also give this piece of advice and I can't remember who initially gave it to me, but I, I use, I use the, the four little letters kiss to remind myself. And I also remind others to keep it simple, stupid. I thought you were going to. Say, I want a rock and roll <laughs> No, you know I don't do that. <laughs> and podcast every day. I... No, not so no, much. No, 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 no. That would be my piece of advice. That's, that's pretty good. And I, I was given that piece of advice. I want to say it was by a very large family with, that homeschooled. The mom homeschooled oh, some of the time. That's I would I would probably piggyback on that because I think one of the best pieces of farming advice that I can remember uh, is is it feels like farming is nothing but problem solving constantly and the advice that I can remember and I don't know where it came from maybe it's a common saying but start with the simplest thing first. Yeah, our, both we, of ours have, we, have the we have same a tendency common of thing. overthinking, overanalyzing, making mountains out of molehills, uh, or tra- just being the Ameri- doing the American way and and buying new when something breaks instead of fixing it, or you know, trying to find the easiest way out of it, trying to yep. throw money at a problem to yep. make it work. 
Yep. The tractor won't start, so all of a sudden we're thinking the the motor seized up and there's this go and buy there's the that. New one. And there's all those kind of things, and you realize, you oh, alone. dummy, you left the key on. Yeah. The battery's dead. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll start the simplest thing first. I would think that was probably that's probably some of the best. And what is one piece of advice that you would give someone interested in farmsteading? And it's again the same thing. Keep it simple, stupid. I give that advice as much as I've, you know, repeated it to myself. Because I need to say it to myself like every day, especially when homeschooling. How many folks have we tried to help get on a good path and get started? And we try to show them how to do things more than just one way. And then they get to choose what works for them. But there seems to be this thing with this current back to the land movement. Where folks want to take the simplest thing in the world and overcomplicate it, overcomplicate it, dress it up, put lipstick on it, call brand it, it with whatever brand that they want, call yep. it their own, and it's like let's we don't have to do that. But keep it simple. Start with the simplest thing first. If you want to learn how to in, to build the most the best most magnificent chicken tractor, well, how about we start with the basics? Like what do they actually need? Some shade would be great. And protection from predators would be awesome. They need food and water, things like that. But let's not make this way more than it needs to be. Because uh, at the end of the day, you're not going to reinvent the wheel. Well, you know, I have to have my chicken chalet. So, you know, but it, yes, I totally agree. You know, just because you learn how to can strawberry jam doesn't mean that you have to hoard your ball recipe that you got from the same book that everybody else did oh, and then act like bre- you yeah, reinvented is- the wheel. It's just keeping it simple. Like, do do it and do it well and then show somebody else. Be generous. Don't act like you were the only one that knew how to do it all. No, there's nothing. Was it on saying share, Proverbs? Share, there's share. nothing new under the sun. Nope. Just share, share, share. So, yeah. You know, start with the simplest thing first. Do that right. What I like to do is I like to, because I've got some weird um, hillbilly doomsday prepper thing in my DNA, I always want to start with like the most basic format of something. Like what can I do that doesn't require electricity or all these extra inputs? Start with the simplest thing. Then work out from there. And then if I want to complicate it or kick it up a notch, sure. then boom. Do, do, Do that afterwards. Good question. That's a great question. Uh, Joseph Waldorf says, more tool puns, please. <laughs> I don't even know any good tool puns. And I don't even know, I don't really even know any good adult tool puns. Because I guarantee you, he's not, he's thinking funny, funny. I don't, know, I don't, I don't think I <laughs> Keep have it any, clean, Greg. I don't think I have any. Fu- okay, uh, you want to read Betsy's? This is funny. Okay, Betsy Wright. Hard lesson learned. Don't drive a tractor on hill ground unless you're experienced with standard transmissions and have learned to trust the gears you are in because you may panic. In-brain freezing panic. Press in on the clutch hoping it'll slow you down. A giant clue, it won't, and you might find yourself careening down the devil hill, aptly named St. Peter's Hill, screaming, clutching your pregnant belly with your husband screaming at you from the bottom of the hill to get off the clutch. With any luck, you'll make it through down the hill far enough to, to hear said husband get your stupid foot off the clutch and then you ball your eyes out because your husband yelled at you. It doesn't matter if it's so you could hear him over the motor. Signed, a Hoosier Flatlander. <laughs> that ain't no joke. 
Betsy's dream was to always marry a farmer, and she did. And she has lots of little farm kids running around, driving tractors, and she has just learned the hard way, you know, over and over and over again. But I love it because she writes so beautifully when she does it. it. It's funny, but yet you know she's like... Signed, a Hoosier Flatlander. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All right, and you've got Instagram, don't you? Yeah, I'm pulling it up here. Sorry for the uh, delay in our professional broadcasting here. I'm trying to pull up Instagram here, and I, I just, I'm not super good at knowing the difference between Instagram and Facebook. And then going through here and trying to figure out, okay, click how do I get comments. to stuff? Oh, if I click on the video, oh, here's the video. Let's see. No, yeah, you gotta click. You gotta click the one that says comments. Comments. Let's see. Yeah, I've already got it up. We've got a super big announcement. We're real excited to share with you guys. It's gonna be okay. Okay. Uh, where are we at? Yeah, intellectual okay. agrarian. Woo! Sorry about that. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, so. Intellectual agrarian, our pal Terrence Lehu, says, short story. This week I've been doing gap audits, good agricultural practices. Terrence is a, he's an organic farm inspector, so you get to see all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, I'm anyways, sure that's a fun job. <laughs> he's uh, doing gap audits in Amish country. Ooh. Somehow, despite growing up around livestock, I've been chased by a horse, dog, and an incredibly vicious goose. <laughs> I've only had one farmer try to hide from my paper and pen. Most treat the audit like a necessary physical. They even turn and cough from time to time. Wow. <laughs> what strikes me visiting the Amish is how their homes are built. The absence of electricity changes the flow and function of each room. The living room, for example, is focused on conversation with seating available all the way around. Not all turn to a single screen on a wall. Even the kitchens somehow feel less cluttered, despite being a larger area that I tend to see in the average kitchen. The mere absence of an outlet on the wall somehow makes me feel like I've walked into a different time. Pretty cool. That's that's he's spot on. He very he yeah very much so. I don't think the Amish subscribe to feng shui, uh, and they definitely don't probably subscribe to. Uh, uh, what do you call that thing? Although everything is the, functional. Uh, the um, uh, Don't man. ask me. Man, it's getting late. What's that thing with the Marie Condi lady? Kumar. The uh, Kumar. They're not doing no Kumar in them in them houses there. No. But they've got a way to where it's simple and it's effective and everything has a purpose and it's everything has a place. It's very simple and it's very everything has a purpose. Yep. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Benjamin Slayer asks, I know you guys don't do chickens much anymore, but if you have any tips on integrating new chickens into a flock, <laughs> I could do with a whole lot less Lock chickens. them in a closet. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you not, what, come funny, pick up about funny. 40 of these chickens that we have here, that, about 40 too many, and then we'll, we'll tell you everything you need to know about how to, how to integrate that. We, you've, I mean, there's been several We've times. We've done you have chickens. To. Soon, I mean, yeah. if you're raising egg layers, you can't just go three years and then decide the next spring you're going to raise, you want to start over again because you're going to have a huge gap in eggs. So we, we, we figured Absolutely. out a way to where we typically try to get um, new birds uh, to where they just start laying uh, in early fall. And then they, they just barrel through the winter and they lay, 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 lay. Uh, and then come in the springtime, they're still heavy in laying. And then all of our two, two and a half year old birds are starting to molt and they, they go in the stew pot. But 
you figured out what what have you done uh, to integrate all the different ages of birds that we always seem to have. Yeah, and I think the hardest thing is, you know, once you get them out of that newborn chick stage and they've feathered out and they're kind of keeping their own. They protect okay, protect themselves a little bit. Yep, they can run. keeping their own and all that. Um, what we do is we take them from their their little brooder or hut where brooder yeah. hut whatever we've kept them in to keep them um safe until the that time and we put them in the coop at night and lock it up and then all day don't do this in the summer though because it gets hot um but we integrate them at night and they we lock them up the whole next day or do it on a, on a cool day or you know, you know it's going to be raining and they're going to be huddled up inside. Yeah, if you that, could that do it on a rainy really day, that would be awesome because then they wouldn't be out a lot anyway. But we we try to do it in the coolness, you know, when it's cooler out. And um, and so, yeah, you, you just basically lock, lock them up for an entire 24-hour um, period. And then they like, they come all out and they're... They're, they're right home. where they're yeah they're right where they need to be mm-hmm. and it's it's always worked really well for us um, doesn't mean it works for everybody but that's how we've done it it's worked so many times here you get these rogue chickens that for whatever reason figure out how they can get through Fort Knox get in the garden start pecking peppers and they just want to live in there and then the ducks find out and the turkeys find out the next thing you know you've got a garden full of critters and goats. And they go, how did it? It's like, how That's did That's mostly you, Burns, and your oh. problems. But anyway, most normal people don't have that I've happen. I've got 99 problems. Right. And a chicken ain't one. Well, the couple chicken, the rogue chickens that got in with the ducks and goats, they did have to get rehomed in their, their coop. Oh, yeah. Before I forget, when I was leaving the workshop tonight with uh, Junior was hanging out, that real beautiful... Uh, I don't know what he is. He's like a Australor, Bard Rock, Mutt Chicken. He's got like real beautiful. He's like blonde and I think blue he was and hatched out of a beautiful clutch of eggs last. He's walking fall. through the workshop like he owns the place, and I'm looking at him. I'm trying to figure out. He's lost, dude. It's dark. Why are you down here? He was lost. Poor guy. Well. I heard a commotion up there, and I wonder if it was the dog. Now that I'm thinking about it, I might need to go up there with the rifle. I don't wonder if there's a if there's a coon or something up there that just scared off a bunch of chickens. And he's down here at the house because he should have been up there, but he just got displaced. Yeah. Did he did he already get eggs and close up the? Probably not. So it wasn't her. I, I better get on up there because I think he was down here because he got he was running. Yeah. Because he looked like I he's, think we've he's had a hungry raccoon lately. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, well. He's missing some feathers. So I got I should probably go check on that. Yeah. So, yep, that's how we do it. We integrate at night, and then we let them stay cooped up the whole next day so they all get... All, every, everybody smells the same. Everybody has been in it's the same dark, coop. They wake up with each yep, other. They, they, they all go to sleep that night together. They wake up, and they have to kind of stay cooped up together. And then the next day, we let them out, and they're all rehomed. Yep. So, great question. Yep, good luck. Well, thanks again, everybody, for uh, helping us out with, with, with the comments and the questions. It's a fun part because we get to kind of... Uh, interact. We interact, but we get to you know cover different ground than just having a podcast on... Whatever we thought of. chickens. There's always something new. 
um, that pops up that uh, it's just it's fun to share the things that either were miserable failures for us or things that may have worked once or twice you know <laughs> uh, if you're interested uh, in restoration agriculture learning more about per- perennial food systems uh, the uh, integrating animals uh, how to make food and fuel and fiber off the land how to cash flow that startup um, kind of a farmstead uh, you just want to come hang out with us and say hi and listen to Susan and I just blabber on and on and on uh, we're going to be sharing how uh, important and impactful restoration ag was to our life and how that is applied to us here on the farmstead so thanks again uh, everybody for uh, all your comments for uh, for liking the, the, our post for sharing our post for subscribing yeah uh, give us some more reviews we'll, we'll, we'll definitely read them on the air we'll shout you out um, it's been a lot of fun uh, the last few weeks here uh, we're going to have to definitely get back together here in the next two weeks and have some more updates until next time be the change be the lighthouse and keep it contrary we'll see you guys bye The only thing about it is, every time we go to a Mark Shepard workshop, you oh, get Lord. pregnant. No, 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 no. Don't bring that up. No more of that. Hey, what are you doing later? Oh! oh.